0: Last week, I was talking to a friend of mine who teaches high school, and she is one of the most caring teachers I have ever met. The amount of time that this woman spends worrying about her students and finding ways to meet them where they are is well, it, I mean, honestly, it's almost obsessive. She is an extrovert like I have never known before. And she really is one of those teachers that somehow always finds a way to make a real connection or relationship with all of her students. Except when I was talking to her last week, she was so down on herself. And when she finally got down to it, to why it was, it was because she just can't seem to find a way to connect with her students this year. It has been harder since the pandemic closed schools, but this year has been especially difficult for her. She and I talked about how she tries to engage her students in conversations, and the best she get, gets is one-word answers, and honestly, it's usually kind of like grunts or, you know, like eye rolls. She's losing that spark for teaching because she wants, she needs those connections with her students to really enjoy the teaching process. But with how hard she's working, she just isn't seeing any results. We know that students are disconnected with schools and teachers right now. We also know that this has a negative impact on classroom community, it reduces teacher motivation, it makes it harder to motivate kids, and obviously it impacts academics. The fact is, teaching is the art of connection, but how do we do this when the to-do list piles up, we have too many kids and too little time? That's what we're gonna talk about today. Hi, I'm Jessica Curtis of Teaching Struggling Learners. I'm a boy mom and a veteran teacher. You're listening to the Reaching Struggling Learners podcast, where we talk all about helping students succeed academically, socially, and behaviorally. Thank you so much for tuning in. We talk a lot about academics and how important they are. Obviously, it's very important in school, but the fact is... As the very famous TED Talk person says, kids don't learn from teachers that they don't like. All of this boils down to connection. If we don't have connections with the students that we're teaching, we're not going to be able to teach them. Teachers need connections just as much as the students do. And I think a lot of times we forget that. In the intro, I talked about my friend who thrives on the connections that she makes with her students. When those connections are missing, like they are right now, she's really, really struggling to find the motivation to lesson plan as deeply and as thoughtfully as she did last year or in the years past. But that's a two-way street. Students that aren't feeling a good connection with their teacher also don't feel motivated to do the work and to work at the highest caliber possible. As schools continue to lose good teachers for many reasons, they are also seeing a drastic increase in behaviors which indicate mental health needs in our students. The fact is that kids need social-emotional learning now more than ever before. I'd also like to argue that if the social-emotional health of students and teachers can be improved, we can not only retain more teachers, but also attract more in the coming years. Yeah, that's a tall order, but social-emotional learning really can make or break a school environment. So today, I'm going to share three ways to increase connections through social-emotional learning in your classroom or school building. The first way to increase connections is to find something positive to say or talk about every day, especially at the beginning of class. The more personal or relevant you can make it for your students, the better. For example, you could tell a relevant story that happened that was good, like how you loved getting to eat lunch outside when you were a kid. And since it's nice outside, maybe the class could eat outside too. That also works as giving them something to look forward to during the day. Part of this could be giving the students a social-emotional journal in which they can record something about their day as well as their feelings about it. That helps students to connect what is happening in their school lives with positive feelings, helping to reinforce their positive connection with school. I used a journal that included this as well as a place to put goals for the day and reflect on how the day went. That really helped me as their teacher to understand where my students were as well as help them to better understand their feelings and what could be triggering different emotions for them. The second way to improve connections is to make connections for the students between the subject or topics and things going on in class and relevant SEL, social-emotional learning, lessons as much as possible. For example, in a high school class, if a large number failed a quiz, it's time to have a frank, open conversation about how doing poorly on a quiz offers choices. The students or class could choose to give up, be angry, Or they can take a breath, count to 10, take a moment, and practice some persistence. The students could ask for an opportunity to retake the quiz or work together to study for the next one. Honestly, most of the lessons that I've ended up teaching in school were more about not giving up on important things than really anything else. Yeah, we taught about being kind to others, but the biggest lessons, the ones that were most impactful for the students, mostly revolved around persistence. Those were good opportunities to give the kids tips and how to react to things such as taking deep breaths, counting to 10 before responding, or walking away from something upsetting and coming back to it later. Now, I will say we were always very careful. And when I say we, I mean myself, my aides, my co-teachers, whoever I happen to be working with that year at that time. We were always very specific on if there was something upsetting, like you failed a test or something bad happened, you can walk away from it right now. But at some point, you do have to face that thing. Uh, A friend of mine many years ago said it best, uh, especially for students with anxiety, the longer you avoid the monster, the bigger the monster gets. So we always tried to impart to our students that, yes, take a breath, walk away from it. But you had to face it. And the sooner you faced it with a calm and it just self confident attitude, the smaller that monster would be when you actually had to face it down. So, that's just one of the many tips that I have learned over the years to help with these things. I will say the lessons that had the most success were the ones where I modeled the behavior, obviously, but when they were relevant within the class environment. So, one example is if a bunch of kids failed a quiz, I would explicitly say, we really struggled at quadratic equations. Oh, oh, the nightmares are coming back. I remember these the specific lessons. So now we're gonna take a, back, a step back and we're gonna regroup on this topic. And I might also say that I was really disappointed when I was grading the quizzes last night. So I had to take a break from it, and believe me, I did, and come back to grading it the next morning when I'd had some time to think about why the grades turned out the way they did opened the door to so many good, deep discussions with the students about maybe they thought that they understood, but they didn't. And or maybe they, they didn't know how to study. Maybe they didn't know, you know, how much studying they needed. And that always led into because, you know, I pushed it that way, but how the students could perform better next time. Those kinds of discussions happen Pretty regularly, um, sometimes daily, depending on the time of year, in my high school classroom where I worked with students with special needs, I'd also have the students complete an SEL journal daily or weekly, depending on you know where my students were at and all that. And they would do goal setting and they would reflect regularly on their performance. That journal really, really helped me when I had that one-on-one discussions with students. So I knew what the students were trying to accomplish, and I could show them tips and tricks and help them actually track so that they could get to where they wanted to go faster. The third way to foster better connections with students is to use kids' names in positive ways with personal or relevant intention obviously this is way easier in the younger grades or honestly smaller classes but even in the high school classes where i had i had 37 at one point i there it was literally standing room only i had kids sitting on the floor uh because there were no desks literally no desks i aim to use each student's name in a positive way at least two or three times a week Now, obviously, this didn't count when I, you know, was having those one-on-one conversations. I tried to make it more spontaneous in the moment. I only counted it as out of the blue or during those larger group discussions. Um, Also, hallways. Hallways were a fantastic time to get in some positive stuff going on for the kids. Now, (laughs) for the kids who drive you to rip your hair out, I mean the kids who are the toughest, I aimed for daily positive name use. And believe me, sometimes I had to get pretty creative. But I realized in my second year of teaching that my tough kids were always the ones in trouble in other classrooms. And it bugged even me how often these kids heard their names with a negative or just sometimes mean tone of voice. So many times their names themselves were used as a warning. Time and time again, I watch my students, they tighten up, they get anxious or downright angry just at hearing the sound of their own name. I mean, how terrible is that when you think about it, that the sound of your own name is so negative that you start to tense up and you're looking for a fight? I mean, honestly, even like just remembering some of the ways that my students' names were called, it still makes me, it makes me angry and it wasn't even my name that was being called out across the hallway or the cafeteria or the recess field. So I made it a point to use their names in positive ways, such as, hey, Christian, you did such a great job taking deep breaths or Christian, it was a beautiful weekend. Did you get to go outside like you planned? As time went on, these students didn't tense up as much at the sound of their name, at least not around me. Some, some people, they never, you know, they never relaxed around, but, you know, baby steps. But as time went on, these students, they really didn't tense up as much, especially in the classroom. And when I pointed out to the other teachers what was going on, they started adding in a little bit more positive name use, and they did see similar results over time. Over time, and I'm talking long-term, months, these kids did become more compliant and we had fewer behavioral explosions. And when I say explosions, I had some students who had some very, very strong behaviors. And reducing explosions down from daily to once a week that may not sound like much but if you're if you're working with those students you know that that is a massive improvement for your students and for your classroom and by the way for the teacher's well-being and peace of mind so was the the change in the way that we said their name or using their name in a positive way was that the only reason that we saw those reduced behaviors absolutely not but it helped to keep the students in a better frame of mind so that they could control their own behaviors better. At the end of the day, we want our students to associate their name and us with good, positive thoughts. We want our students to feel comfortable in our presence and that they're important to us. Part of this is knowing important things about our students. I should say things that are important to our students in addition to the things that we feel are important. No, I honestly don't really care. Don't tell my students, but I I don't really care that their dog's name is Molly Jean so-and-so. And she used to be brown, but now she's black because the change in hair and they gave her different food. I, I, that, That is not important to me. It's not. I know it, but it's not. But it is super important to that child, vice versa. It is very important to me to know how many times a student acts out or has behavior explosions during the week, but that child doesn't need to know that. That That child just knows, hey, I, I, yeah, I had a rough day, but they don't need to know. But I need to know both sides of that. So by now you know that I use my SEL journal, my social emotional journal, feelings journal a lot and I have used it in all of my classrooms and it's because it helped me to get to know what my students tick from their perspective. It gave us a means of meaningful communication that none of the other students were privy to. It gave me an opportunity to an opportunity to have quick, meaningful things that I could share with my students to build a classroom community, as well as topics to be sure to cover in SEL or during class discussions as it came up to help all of my students improve their skills. Honestly, if I were to share one thing that most helped me to be a good teacher to my students, that feelings journal, that SEL journal would be pretty much tied for first. So if you want to learn more about it, you can listen to another podcast episode, I'll link it in the show notes, or um, a blog post will be put in there about how I used it in my classroom. So you can check it out and see, I think I even have some pictures in in the blog post of how I used it in my classroom uh, for the different grade levels is I think it has 10 different different, uh, levels. So you can use it, I did, for anything from kindergarten all the way up through 12th grade so it's it's really good and I want to encourage you to go check that out especially if you're having some trouble with connections in your classroom or if you're seeing that your students need some help with that social emotional learning being able to express their emotions in your classroom until next time may your coffee be strong your students calm and your environment connected bye